Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the CIA Ccast. Very happy to have you along with us, and an early happy Thanksgiving to all of you joining us today. We are back with a championship review edition of the CIA Ccast. Two weekends ago was a very busy championship weekend in the CIAC with tournament finals in soccer, volleyball, field hockey, and girls swimming and diving. And we've got a great lineup of guests to help us relive the action a little bit and offer some general thoughts on reviewing those seasons as a whole. So we're very thankful that you're with us. We're going to have Lori Riley from the Hartford Current, Kyle Brennan from the Waterbury Republican American, and Matthew Conyers from The Current, tackling a lot of championship action from two weekends ago. So we've got a deep lineup of folks that we're going to be chatting with. So let's do a quick express version of things you might have missed so we can get into our championship talk. Lots of championship content on CIACsports.com, including a championship edition of Linked Up with stories on each of the fall champions thus far. So lots of great coverage around the state for a lot of great champions. So encourage folks to check that out. Similarly, we have some highlights from the championship weekend from the NFHS network. We were very excited to have all of those games broadcast uh, streamed live over that busy Saturday and Friday and Saturday. And all of those broadcasts are now available on demand at nfhsnetwork.com. Folks can check that out as well. Some really good content there on the NFHS network. Also, a lot of coverage on CIACsports.com of the recent Sportsmanship Conference, which was held late last week, including a story on Weston High School earning the overall Michaels Achievement Cup uh, award over at that event. So that event is also available on demand on the NFHS network. So you want to check that out. Check out the wonderful presentation from Arik Jackson, who was the keynote speaker of that event. Encourage folks to do that as well. And we were offering up a lot of live tweeting during that, that event at the AquaTurf, which serves as a reminder that we hope you folks will follow us on Twitter at CIAC Sports, and that's a great way to get in touch with us. You can also get in touch with us by emailing the CIAC cast at CIACcast at CASCIAC.org. That's CIACcast at CASCIAC.org. A lot of similar sounding letters in there, but hope you will check us out, get in touch with us. Let us know if there are things that you want to uh, have us address here on the CIAC cast, our weekly or bi-weekly podcast, as we continue to uh, try to advance this platform and find different things to talk about on the CIAC cast. Moving on now to Friday and Saturday, November the 15th and 16th. Very busy days of state championships around the state. It was a a feast as we move towards Thanksgiving for high school sports fans across the state with champions being crowned at sites all over the place. And we wanted to chat about a lot of the great competition. So we're going to reach out to a team of uh, folks who are covering those events and the sports throughout the seasons. And we start off with one of the state's preeminent writers about field hockey to get a lowdown on what took place at Weathersfield High School on Championship Saturday. So there was a great day of field hockey at Weathersfield High School on Saturday, and the Hartford Current's Lori Riley was there to uh, keep track of all of it for the uh, the Current, and now she's we're very happy to have her talking with us. So, Lori, thanks for being with us. Sure, no problem. So you uh, got to see all three uh, championship games there at Weathersfield on, on Saturday and three excellent uh, games, as it turned out. So just wanted to get your impressions uh, from the contest. Why don't we start with uh, the L game, which turned out to be a very uh, spirited contest between Darianne and Cheshire. What uh, what stood out to you from that matchup? Um, well, I mean, obviously Cheshire came into that one, you know, as the underdog. I mean, Darianne's just so strong and, 
um, such a great program. I was looking up um, some stuff about them before this, and and I knew they had a, a field hockey association there in town, but I wasn't quite sure the scope of it. Mm-hmm. Um, they have it's called the Darien Field Hockey Association, and they start playing in third grade. Yeah in Darien. So that's a huge, huge advantage to any town, you know, to have that kind of a program. And it's all, you know, the, the coach um, on the, you know, that has, has um, Momenicus has uh, endorsed this and it's something that, you know, probably she had a hand in starting and it's, it's a very good thing, but it's just, it's not something that most towns have, you know, yeah. especially around here. So, you know, to go against something like that, and the fact that Cheshire was up one nothing yeah. was very impressive to me. Um, I I like Cheshire's team. I don't think their defense was as good as evidenced by the end of the game when they kind of fell apart. Mm-hmm. Um, but their offense and their midfield, um, Emma Farrell's great. Uh, Michelle Federico's great. Their senior class has won the most games I think in Cheshire history. Yep. Um, not sure how many games they've won, but it's over sixty. Uh, just a really great class that they won two years ago. You know, they were there last year. They've been there the last three years. So um, it's just, you know, Darian keeps coming, cropping up on the other side of that bracket. So it's, it's really tough for Cheshire to, you know, to break through that kind of a, um, in, you know, to beat that kind of a powerhouse team. But having said that, I thought they played very well against them. Um, after the game, Eileen Gallagher, the Cheshire coach, told me their defense was kind of young. So yeah. um, they had had problems. You know, they there were a couple of times where Darian was going to score and the defenders fell on the ball and then they ended up, you know, getting penalty strokes on right. that. And, of course, Darian scored. So yeah. And Eileen told me after the game, she said, I'd rather have him do that than – because the goal was going in anyways. So yeah. at least, you know, maybe they'd have a shot, you know, with the penalty stroke. But, I mean, um, Hollis Perricons are a really good player. So. Yeah. So she made those strokes count, and um, yeah, so it was a good game, and you know there was, you know, it was it was fairly even, I think, for a while, and then, you know, then Darian was just too much. So yeah, that and was, uh, that. you know, the, those teams obviously, as you know, did face each other in the in the finals in L last year. Did you see even a difference this year? From oh last yeah, year? was it a was oh a, yeah, huge difference. Year. I mean, it was kind of a you know, it was four nothing last year, it was three one this year. But it was so much of a more competitive game this year. I mean, Darian just blew him out last year. Emma Farrell was out at that game. She had she like hurt her ankle or something, and she was out most of the game. And she's really Cheshire's spark. Mm-hmm. I mean, Federico's like probably their best player, but she's she's like their enthusiasm person. <laughs> Emma is. Yep. She's really, you know, gets them all fired up and. So when she went out, I think they kind of – and they were young last year. They had lost a lot of players. They weren't even really supposed to be there. So um, this year I think they felt more like they were supposed to be there and they could play with – and they had beaten Greenwich, you know, in the semifinals before that. So um, this was definitely a much better team than last year. So even though the score was, you know, still maybe not as close as they would have liked it to be. Yeah. Uh, so now moving on to the uh, to the S matchup, uh, which also was a, a very close game. You had a couple of uh, – teams that are pretty familiar with uh, the championship and earning earning championships in Class S and Stonington and Granby with uh, Stonington coming out with the the one nothing victory what uh, what jumped out at you with that game or sort of stood out as the big story of uh, the Class S championship Well the interesting thing I always like about covering that game is you can't call either one the Bears because they're both the Bears so <laughs> it's the Bears versus the Bears um they always play each other. They all they always play. There's I have covered Stonington Granby games because I always remember the Bears versus the Bears for like I don't even know how many years I couldn't yep. even say, but it just seems like every state tournament they play each other in like the semifinal, quarterfinal, 
And, you know, you got to feel bad for Stonington because when Granby was, you know, really a powerhouse in the 2000, in, you know, from like 2000 to, to about a couple of years ago, they just weren't going to beat them. And they didn't. They lost every single time. So, you know, it's almost like it's all right, now it's Stonington's turn. <laughs> Granby kind of is a little bit down. They've been down the last few years from quote unquote down. You sure. know, they they still make it to the finals. But um, they had five losses this year. So, you know, I mean, a lot of people were surprised that Stonington won that game. And I really wasn't because, I mean, I'm like, Granby's in ninth seed and they have five losses and they're not as good as the Granby teams in the past. Even though they're yep. Granby, we know they're Granby. Yep. But um, everybody just sees Granby and they think, oh, they're going to win. Well, right. you know, this team was not like the team of two years ago or three years ago. And I could kind of tell that, like, when they when they played the semifinal, because, you know, it, it was like they were waiting around for, you know, Ashley Bassetta to show up and score a goal or something. <laughs> and, and they ended up going a penalty stroke, which they won. Um, you know, they, they beat Northwest Catholic. But, um, yeah, it, it definitely wasn't. So having said that, the fact that Granby got to the final was impressive, right. you know, that this was not a great Granby team. But Stonington was really good. I mean, they, they certainly deserved. And I, I just thought it was cool that Jenna – um, was a freshman on the team that last won it in yeah. 1987, and then you know now she was she was back again as a coach. So, yeah. so that that was pretty cool. And yeah. I think even you know Sandy Mason said after the game, you know, it was their turn to win it. So yeah. Any uh, any particular players that jumped out at you from that one that uh, that really stood out? Uh, see, that's the thing about Granby's. They really didn't have one. You know, in the past they've always had like a superstar player. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I know Stonington had a couple of the um, – who was the girl that scored the goal there? Oh, Elizabeth Morrison and Molly Crowley. I guess Molly Crowley was the one that scored the goal. Yeah, I don't know that much about Stonington because um, I don't cover them. But right. um, I know Morrison before the game had 24 goals and Crowley had 21. So that's pretty good. And Granby yep. didn't have anybody with that kind of scoring mm-hmm. on their team. So so you kind of figured that was going to – you know. Yeah, and uh, it ended up uh, being the difference to having that uh, the one goal scorer there. Yep. Um, moving on, I know this again, two teams that you're not uh, super familiar with from outside of the, your coverage area a little bit, but the Class M final between uh, Wilton and Laurelton Hall, two uh, teams that have just had outstanding regular seasons and then run to the finals, ended up uh, being quite a game with a one nothing victory for uh, Wilton in overtime. What, uh, what, if anything, jumped out at you about the, uh, the Class M final? I'm trying to think if I've ever seen a game ended on a no on a time expired penalty stroke because that's what happened <laughs> yeah. in that game. It was pretty cool. Um, time ran out, and because you know they still they will still run the penalty corner. Um, it, it, the only time they wouldn't run a penalty corner is if the team who was taking it was winning. Right. And then they would just bag it and say, "Okay, the game's over." But you know, when it the game's in outcome is in um, is unsure at that point, they decided to you know they they do it and. It was kind of cool. I mean, it was it was good to watch. I don't, you know, it wasn't good for Laurel Hall, but <laughs> I think they were kind of stunned. But yeah. I mean, Wilhelm's another one of those FCAC teams that, and I, I didn't have a chance to look up and see. I'm sure they have some kind of, you know, field hockey feeder program in their, their town. They've won three championships in a row, yeah. you know. Um, the only time they lost was to Darianne this year. So you kind of figured that was going to be the way that one went. I thought Laurel Hall played great, though. I mean, their goalie played fabulous. Shauna Banks, um, their defense had a bunch of stick saves on the, you know, on the line there. That would have been goals, you know, regulation. So they were really good. They were very impressive, and they hadn't lost. So right, yeah, you know, that was. Uh, but you know, they're definitely going to be uh, a team that's, you know, you're going to have to look out for in the future. And they've been there in the past too. So they'll they'll be back. They'll yeah. be back. But Wilton's definitely they're tough. You know, that's a tough 
tough program. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, led for led to uh, to quite a game. So we sort of you know wrapped up the championship weekend here. Just kind of curious if you have any uh, season long impressions or, or sort of any uh, anything that uh, stood out to you or was particularly interesting for you uh, for covering field hockey this year. Any any particularly interesting stories or uh, or, or players or, or coaches or, or anything really that uh, that jumped out for the as you're going to remember maybe the 2013 field hockey season. Um, I have to say, I kind of, I've enjoyed, I've, I spent a little time, um, last year and this year doing some stuff with the Cheshire team and that team is a lot of fun. Um, it's just, they're, they're silly, they're goofy, they're, you know, they, I mean, like after they, you know, lost in the final, Emma Farrell's yelling, you know, yeah, we're number two. (laughs) They're all laughing. And I mean, they were crying and they were laughing and they were sad, but they, they have such a good attitude about Mm -hmm. the whole thing. And it, to me, that's, kind of what it's all about yeah. you know you what high school sports should be all about it's not I mean everybody's going to be sad when they lose and kids are going to cry and that sort of thing but I just like their attitude and I liked how you know and that's I would assume a reflection of their coach or maybe she would say they're you know she, she's a reflection of yeah it's a great it, it, it's a great dynamic they have going there they have a lot of fun um I went down to a practice last year and watched them and they're just really silly and you know, but they're good, so it's yeah. kind of cool to watch that dynamic going on, you know, between um, them and their coach and each other. They they seem to have a really good time when they play, so that's kind of a nice nice thing to see. Yeah, and uh, as you said, to see it uh, rewarded with a very nice uh, nice run to the championship yeah. game and, and, and yeah. very, uh, very and strong yeah. showing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, Lori Riley, we thank you very much for uh, for being with us, checking in. We haven't done much field hockey coverage here on the CIC cast this year, so definitely wanted to uh, to get some, some thoughts on the championship game and appreciate all the work you do uh, covering the sport throughout the fall. So thanks sure. for being Sounds with great. us and uh, appreciate it. Thank you. Our thanks to Lori Riley for her great coverage, as always. Always a good person to chat with, and I'm sure we'll catch up with her again during basketball season. Now we turn over to girls' volleyball. We'll also have a little bit of football talk in here, but wanted to check out the volleyball action from Berlin High School, and so we reach out, get in touch with somebody who caught the majority of the championships at Berlin High School on that championship weekend. It was an exciting uh, weekend of volleyball championships at Berlin High School, and Kyle Brennan of the uh, Waterbury Republican American, as well as the NVL football blog, was there, and he's uh, been kind enough to join us to uh, talk a little bit about it. Kyle, thanks for being with us. Hey, thank you. I, uh, I had to trade in my football cleats for some uh, some volleyball sneakers a couple weekends ago. Well, hey, that, uh, it was a good look for you. I saw you there, and uh, the knee pads I thought were a little much, but uh, yeah. you know, hey, you don't want to skin up your knees, whatever that's, you do. That's a good point. You're never sure what what might happen in the uh, at press row. So that's right. So, uh, it was a uh, it was a great weekend of uh, of volleyball, and uh, let's get it started. I know you uh, you unfortunately weren't able to catch the class S match on Friday night, but were there all day Saturday. So uh, Let's talk a little bit about the the first game of the uh, of the day, which was obviously a um, one that uh, you know had some impact for for folks in your area, um, which was the um, excuse me the uh, the M match with uh, Woodland pulling out a victory over Ferran uh, to to claim the championship. So, what kind of stood out to you from that uh, from the Class M championship? Yeah, that was uh, that was an exciting match. I mean, um, you know, not only for our area, but 
So I, I graduated from Woodland uh, about four or five years ago now, and uh, and actually Woodland's coach Jim Amato used to be my journalism advisor back there. So he, he uh, so a little bit of a connection there for me. But uh, no, that that was a very exciting match. I mean, Woodland, you know, they played, they were there the previous year as well as Cheshire was up in Double L, and you know the the parallels between their two uh, matches were, were pretty interesting. But uh, but Woodland went up. They went up 2-0 and almost swept. They they had a tie to 23 there in the third. And then then came up. I mean, just played really really well. Foreign had some great hitters in that. Um, you talk about Fallon Bavino, who's one of the best all sport athletes in the state. Yeah. Um, and Woodland did a great job. You know, playing defense not only at the net but the back row. And whenever you get a girl like Brianna Facilio, who you know you watch girls volleyball a lot and. And you don't see a ton of girls as aggressive as Basilio is. And, and throughout her season, I think that's a big reason why Woodland finally won its first championship. Is you got a girl that aggressive, and, you know, that helps when you have the one. you got a great setter in Samantha Lee and then, you know, good middles. So they, they had it all this year, and, and it was well-deserved by them. Yeah, certainly uh, an exciting uh, championship and, and well-deserved. I, I hope you're, uh, the coach and, and former journalism, journalism advisor didn't critique your story too much after the <laughs> Well, if he did, I mean, I wrote so many nice things about him that I don't know if he could ever say a mean thing about me ever again. So. Well, we hope not. Uh, so you mentioned the the double L, so we'll skip over the L for a second. And uh, and and you saw Cheshire um, complete uh, an unbeaten season uh, with a three one victory over Staples. What jumped out at you uh, as, as the Rams were able to to earn the championship? Well, yes, yeah, finishing undefeated. I mean, anytime you go twenty seven and zero in anything, it's yeah. just absurdly impressive. Um, it, they had the first game under control there they were actually i think they had three or four game points against staples and then staples reeled off five or six in a row to win it and it was kind of like a little shell shock i think for for not only cheshire the team but really the fans in the gym i'm not sure anyone was expecting it Mm -hmm. Uh, but then from there i mean cheshire they they just rolled the rest of the way it really wasn't didn't really feel close at any any point the rest of the way um i mean there was so much diversity up in up in Cheshire's attack in the front row. I mean, you had Jillian Haverly with 18 kills, and every time she put one down, it was it was like her team had just won the match or excitement. I mean, that that's the one thing you really like about volleyball. Is you, you see so much emotion really on almost every point. You, you yep. know how important it is to everybody. And uh, that, that was just a great team effort by Cheshire. Um, as that match went on, you just saw – you know, the best team in the state playing right there. And, uh, and and they deserved every bit of that. I mean, Staples put up a good fight, but, you know, there was no denying how good Cheshire was this year. Yeah, you, you mentioned that both, uh, you know, both those champions, Cheshire and Woodland, uh, reached the finals last year. Um, did you right. get a sense kind of in covering them and talking to them what they felt like the differences were for them this year, uh, you know, and kind of taking that, that next step and, and bouncing back from a year ago? Yeah, I know. I know for Woodland that it was the, their first time ever in the state, past the state quarterfinals last mm-hmm. year. That the match they won in the 2012 semis against Colin, that was the first time Woodland had ever been in the semifinals, and 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 then to capitalize to come off that emotional game and go to the finals, and you know, it just it, talking to them after the fact, it just didn't seem like they were quite ready for the emotional turnaround. Well, this year, they expected to get back there. They knew what it was like, and you could see there were, there were no nerves uh, this time. And, and for Cheshire, you had a team last year where you know the nerves were definitely apparent in the championship match against Darien. And, and mm-hmm. 
know, they, they made a lot of mistakes in that match. And for the girls who were back, there was a lot of sophomores and juniors who played on that team last year for Cheshire. And, uh, for them to all make it back. You knew that that was the thing they wanted. I mean, to go undefeated was a nice little bonus with it, but uh, that was their goal from day one, and, and to see both teams use what they had done in 2012, I mean, that's all you can ask as, as a coach in the program right there. Absolutely, and uh, and uh, not to give short shrift, we do want to mention, of course, Morgan, the uh, the Class S champion on Friday night, uh, the, the lone match on Friday night, uh, coming back to the championship after a long run from uh, – from Coventry in the uh, that Class S, and Lyman gave him a good battle, but uh, Morgan was able to win it. Um, and then, you know, I've been trying to uh, to build the drama a little bit to the Class L championship, which I know you didn't uh, you didn't write about, but certainly those uh, the folks in attendance, uh, I know, kind of couldn't stop raving about what an amazing match the Class L championship was. What uh, what do you take away from that uh, championship with Ram outlasting Farmington three to two? Yeah, that was the one game that day I didn't have to write about. So I, I once I was finished with my work from the first game, I really got to enjoy the last couple sets uh, of that match. And man, that was, you know, I, I didn't see all the championship matches that weekend from all the sports, but I can't imagine there was one more exciting in any sport than, than this Farmington Ram match. I mean, sure. um, you know, Farmington was up pretty big in one of the middle games. It was either the second or the third, I think. And uh, and Ram just reeled off point after point after point, and they ended up winning that that game, which ended up being a big difference. And then sure. it goes to five, and it's a good thing I had my headphones in to bill out some of the noise because it was absurdly loud in that gym. I mean, every point really for the last, oh, I don't know, fifty or so points of that match was an explosion of sound. Um, and in the end, I mean, just looking on the floor. Sarah Ballou from from Ram was just the best player of the weekend. I mean, she rose up above the net. She has the size there. But, I mean, it's it's almost unstoppable when she got up to the net. And she was the best player of the weekend as far as I was concerned. And they ended up coming back. I mean, Farmington had a lead in the fifth. Ram came back. And Farmington kept it close. And it was just you could not ask for a better uh, way to win a championship of your Ram and nothing to hang your head about if you're farming. Cause I know it's disappointing, but that was an all time great one. Yeah, absolutely. When you look at the, uh, you know, the, the set scores, uh, two of them decided by two points and another one, uh, excuse me, three of them decided by two points and another one decided by three points. So I'm not sure you yeah. can get, uh, get much closer in a, in a five no. set match than that. So, uh, no, that a wonderful cool. weekend. Any other sort of final takeaways just from the championships, uh, in general at, uh, at Berlin high? You know, as 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 a guy who uh you know like i said a, a woodland guy who who graduated and 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 you know friends with uh, coach Amato and to just to look around that morning and to see all the little traces of things that I knew in high school from from Amato to Berlin's athletic director was woodland's ad back in the day and and woodland's old administration who's now retired was all there so that was that was a cool little day it was you know i've been at this for almost 6 years and and to see that sort of uh almost like a career recap in one day for me. It was it was pretty cool to see on a personal level, but uh, they did a great job at Berlin, and then, and I hope uh, they get the opportunity to do it again because they, they did a great job up there. Yeah, I think uh, certainly was a great venue for uh, for some very exciting uh, very exciting matches and, and great crowds, yeah. which is what obviously we love to see, great atmosphere. So we uh, we have Kyle here, and as though this podcast is mostly a championship recap, we would be uh, remiss if not uh, asking for some of his insights into 
the uh, the upcoming football uh, pairings, which will be released on Friday. We're recording this on a Tuesday, uh, the 26th, right around noon. So Kyle just posted to the uh, to the Waterbury Republican American Red Zone blog his breakdown of the uh, the potential pairings and and what each all these teams need to do as they uh, all get ready for their season finales uh, over Thanksgiving weekend. So we won't ask you to go uh, in depth game by game or, or, or uh, class by class, Kyle, because that uh, we could be here all day if we if we did yeah. that kind of breakdown. But just sort of your general general impressions, I guess, of where things stand at this time of the year. Would you say this is an unusual year? Is this pretty typical? What are kind of your just sort of uh, overarching views of where we are with the football pairings uh, just a couple days away? Well, class M and F are a little more set than they usually are by this time of year. Um, there's not a whole lot of mystery as to what's going to happen there. I mean, you have your favorites. St. Joe is going to be the favorite in M, um, even though Valley's going to be the only undefeated team there. And down in class F, Hamstonia, the, the defending champ, two-time defending champ, is going to be the favorite there. So you know, those, those divisions are almost uh, – it's pretty pretty uh, spelled out as to who's going to clinch and, and, and who already hasn't clinched. Um, you know, you, I've – went through a bunch of scenarios and if you're a team out there in any of the four classes that's that's uh has not clinched yet you could use the scenarios that i posted up there on the rep Bands red zone blog it's sort of a checklist over the next few days as to what your team needs to happen to make it um you know up in class double l it's going to be exciting you've got three spots open and there's eight teams of uh vying for those spots i mean southington's going to win it in and then you've got a bunch of teams who the exciting thing about this time of year is not only that you've got the games on Thanksgiving week, the emotional rivalry games, but then you know you're teams that generally you would root for if you're some of these teams. I sure. Mean, Fairfield Prep, for example, needs to beat West Haven, and then you know it's rooting for for rivals, you know, old historical rivals to win. I mean, they're rooting for Greenwich, you know, to beat Staples. They're rooting for St. Joe's to beat Trumbull. I mean, you you would. If you're a Fairfield Prep guy, you would never think you're rooting for St. Joe's, and all of a sudden, you know, you want to beat West Haven and have St. Joe's win so you can get in the playoffs. So, you know, it's a lot of fun there, and and every those teams have it in front of them. It's going to come down to a point or two um, either way. And same thing in Class L. You, you've got a, a thrilling race down there between. Um, you know, it very well could come down to bonus points or a tiebreaker among Naugatuck, Ham, North Haven, Bristol Eastern. I mean. Yeah. Uh, the, the teams who make it, it's they're going. It's going to be well deserved if they get in there. That's for sure. And uh, it's making up for a very exciting holiday week here. Absolutely. Any, uh, you know, and and there may be too many to name. And if so, just tell me. But are there any sort of almost you know key games in terms of you know that affect a lot of different teams that that really fans can focus on and kind of key in on if they're going to be uh, trying to track this stuff. I know there's a, a lot of different results, but are there, you know, maybe some sort of swing games that really have a lot of uh, implications out there? Yeah, if you're up in class L, I mean, any of the games among those teams that are still alive and haven't clinched, I mean, those are all key. You talk about uh, Southington against Chester. You talk about uh, West Haven Prep, Staples, Greenwich. Um, you know, those are all huge games. NSA in New London, also a big one up there for that and and for class L there. A lot of these games have implications in multiple classes, not only because of the bonus points, but because a lot of these teams here, you, you talk about what makes a great Thanksgiving rivalry, and one of the things is that some of these old rivalries always have great teams playing in them. I mean, you talk about in our area, you've got Naugatuck and Ansonia, both 
potential playoff teams, NSA New London, same thing, West yep. Haven Prep, same thing, you know, Staples and Greenwich and Canterbury, and I mean, the list goes on with so many quality games among great contenders here. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you've got in Class M Brookfield against Bethel. I mean, Brookfield could potentially keep its rival out of the playoffs if it, if it beat them there. Um, you know, so it's it's a lot of fun. It just adds more juice to these games. Um, you know, and and you know you want to point out key games for the playoffs. But what makes this week is so great is that even if you're zero and ten against zero and ten, this this week still means something to everybody. And sure, and that's what makes Thanksgiving so much funner out there. Absolutely, and uh, I'm not sure we could end on a better note than that. So we will uh, we will look forward to see all the action. Hopefully, the uh, Mother Nature cooperates at least a little bit and uh, encourage folks to uh, to keep apprised of everything that's happening on Twitter and all that kind of stuff to to find out about schedule changes. But uh, either way, these games are going to get played, and we will have uh, have pairing sometime in the next couple of days for uh, the football season. And uh, we know Kyle Brennan will be keeping track of it uh, diligently as things go forward. So, Kyle, we we thank you very much for joining us for uh, to talk a little volleyball and a little football and i'm sure we'll check in you with you again down the road all right thanks so much finally now we wrap up with one of our most frequent correspondents as there was a lot of soccer to get a grip on over championship weekend and we have just the person for the job to try to recap everything that went on around the state as well as catch up on what happened as a whole over the course of the soccer season Recapping the state championships from this uh, few weekends ago, we reach out to one of our favorite uh, correspondents from the Hartford Current. Matthew Conyers joins us now. Matt, thanks for joining us. No problem, Joe. Glad to be on. Glad to be talking with you. Well, we started, uh, I believe you uh, were with us on the, the CIAC cast to uh, to start the soccer season, talking a little bit about the upcoming season. Now we, uh, we check in with you to kind of recap things. Obviously, uh, Eight championships uh, taking place uh, a few weekends ago in boys and girls soccer, and uh, you were at the uh, the double L and L boys finals at uh, at Waterbury. So we'll start there. What uh, what were your takeaways from those uh, championship games that you were able to see in person there at uh, in Waterbury? You know, both games kind of were surprising by the end result, not by the play on the field. Um, in the first game uh, of the day in Waterbury, you had the Class L final. You had Farmington playing Barlow. And for me, those are two of the teams that I looked at all season as being two of the best teams in the state. Barlow plays pretty good soccer uh, in the middle of the field. They like to connect their passes. They play tight areas of the field. They don't always use the width of the field, but they play very well within their areas. Uh, a very uh, technical team, a very smart team, a very efficient team with their passes, very quick one-two passing, passing and, and it's a, uh, for a lot of people, that's an attractive style to watch. Farmington, on the other hand, um, you know, I, I, I joked last time talking about Farmington that I probably sounded out about a, about a well, sounded like a broken record just talking how much I like them, how much, they, how they approach the game is the correct way. You know, you can't say enough about the way their coaching staff prepares Farmington uh, not just for championship, but for games, for practices. Um, I've gotten to know Coach Steve Waters and his staff very well over the last you know, six or seven years, and they really put a lot of emphasis on being prepared, being focused going into games. And you can see that really rubs off on the players. This year's team was deep, as they always are, uh, just a lot of skill. And you can look up and down that lineup, and they have a, a player they could turn to that could really contribute significantly at any moment. You know, knew throughout the year they were going to be there in the tournament. They did have some adversity they had to handle. Um, they had a throwing game. 
in a tournament uh, against Nagatok where they barely moved on and survived. Mm-hmm. They had a game against Avon where, you know, Avon's one of their rivals. They don't get to play them that often, but everybody from Farmington knows everybody from Avon. Everybody yep. from Avon knows everybody from Farmington. There's a lot of blood in that, uh, a, lot, a lot on the line in that game. They had, you know, Coach Waters calls them high-energy games. They had to really compete in those games. Um, so I thought coming into this game, Barlow Farms, you were going to see one of these great matchups. I, you know, I went online and said, you know, I would be shocked if it's not a close game. Well, guess what? I was shocked. But uh, <laughs> in the first, uh, first minute, you get a one nothing score for Farmington uh, from Sabriaca. And then another eight minutes later, you get another goal, and all of a sudden, the game's over. Yeah. And, and, and Barlow will tell you the same thing. Barlow possessed the ball and maybe maybe held it just as well as Farmington did, but the game was over at that point. So yeah. Farmington had completely outplayed him to that point. Um, any mistakes Barlow was making, Farmington was jumping on it. Farmington, uh, uh, Barlow played right into Farmington's defensive posture. Um, you know, he sat there, it was 2-0 at the end. At that point, it was 2-0, and he said, this game's done. You know, and I, I don't think I really ever said that. In the final, you know, I've been lucky enough to cover finals now for six years with the current, and I love it. But I've never seen a game like that where it ends quickly as that. Um, you know, Sabri, he just took advantage of a couple quick, great opportunities, broke in, opportunistic player. And it was kind of neat to see because Sabri, um, I, I don't know if you're aware, but I think people are, are getting aware of it now. He wasn't even on the Farmington team last year. Right. He was sitting in the stands watching uh, them beat Avon. He was out for uh, his own reasons, his own personal reasons, and uh, he came back very motivated. And, and Coach Waters said, you know, from the minute he came back, he had felt like he had been on the team since, since he was gone. Forever. You know, yep. that absence was not a factor. Um, just fun to just come to him so prepared and, and to have now two decisive victories uh, in the championship game like they did last year and then this year. I uh, just said a lot about their program and, and as a uh, and how they do things right. Uh, they really uh, come in prepared. Uh, they're mentally focused and they handle these big games well. Farmington, these games they don't get panicked either. They get nervous uh, and they almost look for. You can almost see uh, a different edge come into this team, this Farmington team. Um, they just they come into these games hungry, really ready to play and ready to prove what type of team Farming is. So that was the big surprise of the day for me, that that Barlow game wasn't close, that Barlow didn't give him more of a game. I think, you know, Paul Wood Stanley, uh, after the game, he was surprised at it too. Yep. You know, maybe if those teams play nine out of ten times, uh, nine more times out of ten, uh, maybe it is a closer game, but you can't uh, lessen the impact of how well prepared and ready to go Farmington in the final. Farmington was clearly uh, the more prepared team in that instance, and they, and they took advantage of their opportunities. They came to play, um, and it's just it's, it's been a fantastic two-year run. Now, Waters has been coaching for a long time, and he's never had back-to-back championships, so that team is probably just going to be remembered for quite some time. Yeah, and absolutely. Then and, then you, and then you ask about the other game on the double L side. I mean, uh, not the prettiest double L final that you ever see, but surely uh, one of the most hard-fought games. I mean, every... Five minutes or so, you had a player down, uh, but they weren't coming off. They were done. You get a red card in the game. Uh, Richfield really impressed me in their ability to stay in the game, make it a competitive game, and also go at 
uh, Glastonbury after the red card. Really, in the second overtime, uh, you can make it a very good argument that Richfield has a better of the chances and the better of the play. Yeah. But Glastonbury just has been a team all year that whenever they get down, they seem to play better soccer. And once again, you know, Ridgefield scores that one nothing goal. They're knocking on the door. Glastonbury knocking on the door, knocking on the door. And all of a sudden, boom, a ball gets played in the box. Tyler Peterson gets the header. Can't even see the header. He falls to the ground. And the ball is in the back of the net, but the defense can't clear it. Yep. Uh, so, you know, say what you want. Maybe it wasn't the prettiest game for Glastonbury. Maybe it wasn't their best game. Because I thought when they played Grinch, I thought they played a phenomenal game. Um, but Glastonbury, a good team finds ways to put themselves in a position to come back to be in the game. And every time they did that, I mean, um, talking with Mark Landers the last couple, last couple of days after the tournament, and, uh, you know, he, he, he's telling me, he doesn't know if he can quite remember a run like that in Glastonbury. And to be honest, I don't know if I can. If you look back, you know, they had a handle fit, uh, Fairfield Ward in uh, overtime in the second round. Then they go to the third round. They're playing at home still, but again, they have to handle Dan Scary, who, who had a lot of ties in the record, but those are very, um, they're, they're not, they're, the ties are a little confusing because you don't realize how good a team, if you haven't seen Dan Barry and you're just going on the record, you don't realize how good a team Dan Barry is because you were tied to receiving. They gave him a great game, came back, uh, you know, Glastonbury had to fight them twice, Dan Barry took the lead, twice Glastonbury had to come back, they win it in overtime. That game, they lose arguably one of their best players, in, uh, Gustavo Finnhaber, uh, a guy that really makes them go in the central midfield. Uh, and so you lose that guy, and all of a sudden you got to pick, pick yourself up and you win the game at home. I think at that point you're almost going to be emotionally expired. Yeah. Uh, nope, they go to Greenwich, <laughs> who I still think coming into the tournament was the best team. Yeah. Uh, they were just phenomenal. And, and if Greenwich goes a different route, maybe they're in the finals. Um, the big, the physical, the fast, and for for about 40 minutes, that was very hard for Glastonbury to break down. They just couldn't get behind the the Greenwich defenders. Uh, Greenwich takes the one nothing lead, and uh, all of a sudden, with 10 minutes left, here we go again. Glastonbury scores a goal, tie it up, and then late in the game, I think it was uh, you know you have to apologize, you know, a lot of games in the last month, but I think it was about 2:17 left in the clock. Um, Maybe 240 if I'm wrong. Uh, we'll we'll give you those 30 seconds. We'll, uh, we'll allow <laughs> well, that. Thank you. Thank you for being generous. Uh, they go ahead to get the again back in the game against Greenwich. And really, just, uh, I've never seen a, a glass of team come alive on the bench like that. Uh, and even, you know, I can remember we'll make it, seeing them make the run back in 2008. Uh, just an electric atmosphere. And, that, and then they have to come back and play Ridgefield. Um, so I, yeah, I was really impressed with. Glastonbury's ability to play these really emotional, competitive type games and be able to respond in the next location. And one guy that really, um, that I've been keeping an eye on, an underclassman, um, one of these guys to watch that player, you know, if you, if you were, if you had Dickie V covering the sport, you would be all excited about him for next year. But Tyler Peterson, you know, like I said, coming in, he was going to have a big championship game. The guy, kid played. Basically hurt, he was banged up, knocked around, moved from position to position to do whatever his team needed, and he just really showed up. It was one of those classic high school performances where, you know, you do everything possible to help your team win. And, and on the other side, Richfield, all their team players did that to make sure that red card didn't have a bounce effect. So you're a little disappointed in the end about uh, 
it's a tie. I know you could have that argument that we could go on for another hour about <laughs> you know what the situation with coach champions. Um, and I think people know I'm not for it necessarily. I'm for the golden ball. But in that situation, it was almost like Michael Landers said at the end of the game, a fair result because both teams played so hard to win that game in Waterford in the Class WL final one one tie. Um, both teams really deserve to be in contention to win the championship and to be at the end of the top of the ratings at the end of the year. Both teams, uh, great runs and great jobs by the coaching staff. Really yeah, the, uh, yeah, one of our uh, CIC staff people noted, who, who was at that match, just noted that uh, seeing everybody, it looked seemed like just about every player on the field was limping when they came off the field. So it sounded like a, a match where just about everybody gave it uh, gave it everything they had and uh, ended up, obviously, as you said, with the, the co-champions. So, uh, you know, obviously you, you were at those games, but we did have uh, a bunch of other championships uh, decided on, uh, on Saturday around the state. So we're not to, not going to ask you to, to check in on every single one, obviously, with you, uh, you know, not able to see them all. But uh, what were your sort of general impressions from the other results? Particularly, did anything surprise you um, from the teams that were able to come away with championships that weekend? Or uh, were, were, did you feel like the teams that, uh, that, that won it were the teams that maybe you were, were expecting in some of the other games? Yeah, I think for the most part, uh, I, don't wanna say, I, I would say the chalk kind of played it pretty even. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the big, the big, uh, I guess surprise, the big performance that really deserves noting is what Old Saybrook was able. To, you know, I want to get to Suffield down the, in a few minutes, but sure. um, I, I, he asked me what really popped off the top of my head, and I wasn't at the game. I heard about it, I read about it after. Uh, I saw some things. You know, Old Saybrook's performance to go against Portland, their shoreline. A uh, common opponent in the shoreline, mm-hmm. a team that has, you know, arguably more pieces on, on the map than uh, Old Saber does. And I, I'm talking about personnel. Uh, this has been Portland's best team for two years, the last two years that Portland's ever seen and might ever see again. I mean, Portland had just players in every position that could help uh, and put balls in the net or just to defend. And then Old Saber on the other side. Uh, it wasn't a great team they had a couple of years ago when, uh, unfortunately for Larry Bright's group, they fell against Immaculate, one of those great class S Immaculate teams. Sure. Um, but they had a really phenomenal goalie. And, and, you know, some people will look at class S and they'll go, yeah, but how great is the player or, or how great is the team? And, you know, it's a stigma that comes with them playing in a uh, smaller conference or playing in the class S. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we don't get the credit that the, the bigger class is get. And I got to tell you, their goalie, Mia, she was phenomenal. Yeah. If if you've ever seen a player really take over in tournament time, she was the definition of it. She put her team on the back. She did everything she could to make sure her team was in a position to win. And at the end of the day, to keep Portland off the board, uh, to do everything she did in the game previous to come back and respond in the championship, just says a lot about her character, what type of kid she is. and you like to see kids like that that play in a smaller conference that don't get the attention. I'll wholly admit, I didn't give give her a lot of attention coming into the year. I mentioned it briefly, but uh, just a tremendous performance. I had Portland winning by one or two goals in that game uh, just to keep her team in there. This was not a year old sample was supposed to win the championship. Let's, let's, let's be honest about that. I know a lot of people always, you know, you hear, oh, we weren't supposed to be here. And sometimes that's coach talk, sometimes that's player talk. Right. Uh, to build yourself up. This was an old table team that was supposed to be there. Yeah, you know, two years ago, yes, or a year ago, 
yes, this old Sabres team, good team, well coached, well prepared, but it was a surprise to see them get to the final, and even more of a surprise uh, for them to, to beat, uh, not beat, to be co-champions at the end. Yeah. Uh, not not a shock because you know who the program is strong, but you know I just want to give a lot of credit, and you know I can't say enough about what their goalkeeper did in uh, in that game, and their coach is a great coach, yeah. great guy, uh, good high school guy to have, and uh, you know Portland handled it perfectly well. Uh, and then, you know, I like some of the quotes saying how they, if they had to share a title with anybody, this is the title they, team they want to share with. So they were just very impressive in how they went about things in their run to the Class Championship. You know, the one thing that did surprise me a little bit um, on the other side uh, in a game of performance, I thought Suffield would come out a little bit differently um, in the Class Double L final versus uh, St. Joe's. Mm-hmm. Understandably, St. Joe's has a lot of dynamic firepower at top and teams can get overwhelmed. I just didn't think Stuffield would spot them the two-goal lead like they did. Yep. And then, you know, at the end of the game, Stuffield came back, made the game maybe 10 minutes more. Uh, you, you'd be seeing a different, uh, not a different result. Maybe they would have played to a better time. Um, or I think St. Charles would have to come back. But I really think Stuffield would get out of the gate a little bit better than they did. Uh, a great team under Dave Sullivan. And I think they did respond, and that shows a lot of what their character was. But I expected that game to be a little closer at the start. Um, you know, and the least shocking thing in the whole tournament had to be the Stuffield boys. I mean, yeah. uh, I, I joked that, that you couldn't have, you could have never seen a game of soccer this year um, and still predicted Stuffield to win. They were just that good, and it was kind of a coronation of what they were able to do the last three years for these seniors to win on that day at Ellington. Um, you know, he's showing up. Roy Gordon, great coach at Ellington. Ellington, great story game in the final. Uh, in a year where they didn't have any business probably um, making a deep run. Um, but uh, that was Suffield's championship, and that was clearly the surprising thing to happen uh, on Saturday, two Saturdays ago. Yeah, that was certainly uh, certainly an impressive performance for uh, for Suffield, capping a uh, a pretty impressive uh, season and uh, run for uh, for that team, certainly uh, an, an impressive group of, uh, of kids. So, um you know, kind of more generally speaking, you know, we've hit on a few of the championships. Obviously, uh, folks can can check out all the results and everything uh, on uh, CICsports.com and read up on, on all the great action. But uh, looking a little more broadly, sort of moving away from championship weekend, what are your kind of big takeaways from uh, from the, the 2013 soccer season, either on the boys or the girls side, whether it's teams or players or, or sort of anything that really caught your eye uh, over the course of the year, what are you going to remember most? Do you think about the the past uh, past soccer season? You know, we had a lot of great stories. You know, you can start with Suffield. Uh, they they won three titles in a row with the boys. Uh, they have this really dynamic group of seniors. They got guy. They got Sean Sullivan. They got Ben Woodhouse. They got Thomas. They've got a really important group. I mean, the list goes on. I could be here all day just naming important players for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they did something where you set a goal like that, a very daunting goal of coming back and repeating as champions and playing even better. And you know what? They did it. You know, I think we, when we talked in the first thing, I said, you know, this team is possibly better than they've been the last few years. And they were, and that's because they faced every challenge with a new set of hunger. They weren't complacent in everything. Um, they just came and they were ready to play. And I don't know... Next time we'll see a team that wins three titles. Buddington will go for it this year in uh, Class L. I mean, this coming year in Class L. Mm-hmm. That will be interesting. But this Suffield team is going to be a team that's not just remembered in Suffield for a while, but for all of 
you know, high school soccer nerds. You're going to talk about the stuff you've seen and what they were able to do. Um, I mean, just to not have to lost, have lost a postseason game is, since 2010, that says it all right there. Yeah. It's a pretty impressive run in the way they handled them. Stuff. But there were other great stories, and I guess you wanted to move around away from championship weekend a little bit. I just want to touch on a couple things, you know. Sure. You know, Guilford went on a tremendous run, had to play a lot of tough teams, uh, really came together at the end of the year. Another one of these teams that was kind of under the radar, um, they play in a conference that doesn't always get it. They get the football attention in the hockey conference, the FCC, but not always the soccer conference. So I think some people slept on them. They had two great players, Larry Carr, Julie McMahon, uh, a coach that was ready to go, had his players focused and prepared, uh, and they really were very, very thorough on their way to a championship. Uh, a great job by the Gilbert program. I mentioned Ellington briefly. I, I said, you know, they didn't have any business. I mean, that's not entirely true. Ellington had another great program, uh, and they were fun to watch to get to that final because they really came together as you get stopped. And that's all you work for is to make sure you're playing your best soccer at the end of the year. Absolutely. And that was Ellington. And they won probably arguably one of the most thrilling games of the tournament when they scored a second plus in the semifinals to get to the final. Uh, so I'm all. So there's another team that kind of moved up the ranks, did a great job. And you talk about great stories. How do you not go wrong with Bolton? I mean, you're talking about a group a couple of years ago. They couldn't even win a game. I yeah. mean, really struggled to go through that. You know, I, I in hockey, I was on some bad teams. And you really question what you're doing if you want to keep playing. Uh, and some of those players kept playing, and they get to play in a championship game. The coach was the last player to bring that team uh, as a player to a championship game, and now he's playing, coaching in a championship game. Uh, they didn't win. Uh, probably they, they, they played pretty well, but lost to a Cromwell team um, that seemed destined to get that championship since early October. Um, but just a remarkable job there by Bolton, and that team that kind of stays away from the limelight a lot. You know, they play on a smallest field. There's no, there's no, the very tiny bleachers, movable bleachers in. But the team and the, the, the fans, the school got really behind them. I was able to go up to Bolton a couple times. The girls team followed the boys team. The boys team followed the girls team. So it was nice to see. And, and that, those are kind of the special stories you remember in high school soccer where these teams uh, come out of, you know, the woodworks. But maybe you don't predict. Yeah. They go on a great run. Cromwell, another team with a lot of tradition. They're a team that didn't, what didn't have a couple, they didn't have great years the last two years. Not up to snuff for, for Cromwell teams. Uh, so it was in the same case as Bolton. They had players on the team that, you know, didn't make the tournament. Bolton and Cromwell didn't make the tournament. And two years later, they're playing in the championship game and, uh, you know, winning a title. So it's kind of nice to see people that stay, kids that stay with teams that don't bail get rewarded for that effort to continue producing. And I think it's been, you know, not to get off cheesy here, idea, but it's been <laughs> a good message, you know, uh, that, you know, good effort and, you know, focus and the right type of preparation, it does get rewarded. So not every time. I'm not going to say it's a Christmas story or a Disney story for everybody, but uh, in, in the case of uh, Bolt and uh, Cromwell, it's nice if you rewarded both good coaching, you know, guys that deserve to be there. And then, and then, teams they played in the shoreline and a couple of other surprise stories. You know, you, you, you always hear these teams, but we, they, we weren't really truly expecting them to be there. Valley Regional and uh, Old Lyme getting to the semifinals, uh, just a really good job getting those teams prepared by the players and set them to get to the semifinals. And, and I can't say enough about the work that uh, Mick Farron does at Valley Regional and Mark Vendetti does at Old Lyme, getting those players right. 
Uh, I think we've covered most of the teams that have won championships, but the good year for high school soccer, uh, a lot of different storylines, a lot of player, you know, especially always coming to the year's house, you know, with the academy situation for boys. And you know what? Kids can play academy. Kids can play high school. It's not going to change either thing. Kids playing in high school are still playing an exciting game, a fun game. You know, if you were lucky to catch games this tournament, you undoubtedly saw great and exciting games that you'll remember, you know, and uh, things that will always pop in your mind. Unfortunately, one of those things that I'll be still remembering is the, the call in the Windsor-Ram game in the second round uh, where a goal was called back. And uh, clearly, to this point, I still don't think it was the right call, and I think they've They've admitted the error on that case. But uh, wild games like that are everything that's good about high school sports. You don't like to see a, a call get made that could change the game in the case of the Windsor game and really impact at the end. But the thing about high school sports is they're so memorable, and that was the case once again this year. You had games that, and teams that you'll be talking about for some time. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, what I love is, uh, and, and you hit on this a little bit, but I think particularly, uh, you know, some of these fall sports like, like soccer and, and field hockey is you never quite know, you know, when that sort of championship moment is going to come. You know, you, you went into that, that boys L final expecting, you know, a, a tight game all throughout. And then all of a sudden Farmington is up, you know, a minute into the match and it's a completely different, uh, situation or, or I happen to see, uh, part of I, I was bouncing around all day and went to several different events but the the class m girls final between waterford and and uh having had him killingworth and you know it just just one individual moment of brilliance and and one team's the champion you know there was one goal in that match and it was a great a great strike from uh from from waterford and that that's the difference you know you're never quite sure when that moment's going to pop up and it just uh it happens and you're kind of stunned by it sometimes and uh i think that adds to the excitement and adds to the fun of uh of soccer season and certainly the soccer tournaments, they have sort of that, uh, that, that anticipation that you can't get with other sports. And I know you're uh, certainly a, a, a believer in that as well. Well, that's, that's the beauty of soccer and the beauty of sports. Isn't it? I mean, if you look at soccer specifically, it, it's one of these games where you have to be, so, and, I, and I talked about it with the Farmington, but you have to be so ready and so prepared and mentally ready for that, for, for a game. Yep. Because any, any error, any turnover can be exposed and go against you. I mean, you really need to, all the parts on the field need to be working so seamlessly together. It's not one of these games, and with all due respect in basketball, you can have two, one or two great players, and you can make a run. Soccer, yeah, maybe in girls' soccer, you can get away with it a little if you have one star player. But really, when it comes down to it, the great teams win the championship. You know, it's, it's just, it's not a fluke that Farmington's won. It wasn't a fluke that Glastonbury and Richfield were in the final. It's not a fluke that St. Suffield and St. Joe's played each other. These were the best teams of the year. Yep. Uh, you know, even class, you saw teams that belonged to be there because they all functioned at a high rate, and, and that's kind of, you know, it's the nasty side of soccer is something that can change in a dime, and all of a sudden you go, geez, I played a great game, and I lost it. But that's also the beauty of soccer. You know, you have to be so ready, so prepared, and it's such a tough game to master. I think that's why we all love it, is that uh, you keep learning new things no matter what uh, when it comes to the sport. And, uh, again, that's what we have to saw this year, uh, just things that you never saw happen. Um, you know, Graham goes on this great run. You think they're going to get to the semifinals and play finals, and again, they go to PKs. They got four chances, really, to win it, you know, and Klomperog missed about four straight PKs 
and they end up winning in PKs after that. Yep. And you'll never see, you could go 20 years, 25 years ago, and never see something like that where Popov misses four straight PKs. The goalie has to make three diving saves to the left with one hand, and they move on. I mean, <laughs> that's just, you can't script that stuff. I know it's a cheesy you know, thing you saw on TV as the kids strip drama, but that's the case in high school sports. And I think that's why we keep coming back, especially with soccer. Um, now we just got to figure out what to do in these uh, these next these championships so we don't have coach champions. You know, you got to have the golden ball. So well, we'll get, uh, we'll get on that on the next uh, the next debate yeah. podcast we have, Matt. But uh, yeah. for now, we'll say that we had a lot of, as you said, some really really worthy champions uh, across the board in uh, in eight finals held on a very busy Saturday. And I know you. Uh, we're covering it all year, and uh, and we appreciate all your work covering uh, the championships and uh, and the sport all season long. So, Matt, thanks for being with us, and uh, we'll check in with you again soon again, I'm sure. Thanks, Joel. Thanks for everything you guys do. Really appreciate it. You've done a great job. Thanks so much to Matt Conyers for talking with us and for all of our guests for joining us this week. A great edition of the CIAC cast recapping all of the championship action from a few weekends ago. So we're certainly thankful to have those folks join us as well. And that's going to wrap things up for this edition of the CIAC cast. We thank everyone for being with us. Once again, you can always follow CIAC Sports on Twitter at CIAC Sports. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash CIAC Sports, or just the good old-fashioned website, CIACSports.com, for all of the latest information about high school athletics and sport scores, schedules, all the things that you're going to want to follow both the winter season, which is coming up very quickly, and the football championships, which will get underway in just a few days as well. So thanks very much for being with us. Once again, I'm Joel Cookson. We thank you for joining us for another edition of the CIAC Cast. <laughs>